0: Well, good afternoon, Mosaic. Is my mic on? Good afternoon, Mosaic. Could you hear me? Am I on? I don't know. Well, today um, I have the distinct privilege of introducing to you a uh, new sermon series. I don't know if maybe I should. Maybe I should use the yeah, yeah, this mic. All right. Is it, is it on? Is well, it's yeah, it's, it's on. Okay. Hello. Good afternoon. All right, we're good here. Um, today I have the distinct privilege of introducing a new sermon series uh, based out of the book of Habakkuk. Um, Habakkuk is called Conversations. Um, and I'm excited about kicking off this new sermon series with you guys, um, uh, because like throughout this small book, what you'll see um, is exactly like the title says. Um, you'll see a prophet by the name of Habakkuk. He's having a conversation with God. And so as you go through the book of Habakkuk, you're going to see um, this prophet named Habakkuk. He's having, he speaks, he prays, and then God answers, and then he prays again and then God answers again. Um, Very little is known about this man named Habakkuk, um, but we do know that he was a prophet. And um, a prophet in those days, as many of you might know, was God's spokesperson. So he would speak to the people um, exactly what God would tell him to say. Um, Sometimes it would be, usually, a lot of times it would be about uh, an impending judgment that's coming to the people or perhaps a future blessing that's coming to them. That prophet would have an insight as to what's going to happen in the future. Now, um, just before we actually begin the sermon, I just want to kind of give you guys like a, a quick background on the in the book of Habakkuk. Um, many scholars would try to date this book when Habakkuk was saying these things they would try to date it back to when an evil king in the Old Testament named Manasseh reigned in Judah okay during this time Manasseh practiced all sorts of evil including witchcraft this wicked man even killed his own child he sacrificed his own child for his false god could you imagine what it would be like if you were um, this evil king's his son? Um, you might be sleeping, and all of a sudden, this king, he comes, he picks you up, and, he, and then the son is crying, what, what are you doing, where are you taking me, and he literally throws him in the fire and makes sacrifice to this false god. So this is the context of um, this time, of what Habakkuk was experiencing. The people of Israel, instead of rebuking this king, instead of rejecting this king, the people of Israel followed in his sin. They were led astray to do evil right along with him. And the evil became so rampant that Habakkuk begins to pray over and over again, oh God, there's evil going on in this land, God. Please do something. And so that's the kind of, background that we're going to kind of, that's, that's the background of Habakkuk, um, why Habakkuk was crying out. Um, and that's the way that this short book is set up. Habakkuk is crying out to God in response to the evil that's going around in the land. So, Habakkuk chapter one. Habakkuk chapter one, verses one through four. Before we explore this passage, let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask God to help us to understand and that God will apply it to our hearts. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, we just want to come to you, Lord, um, before your throne, um, before your majesty. Lord, we want to come to you as children, not as grown people, but as children begging the father for food oh lord will you please feed us your word allow us oh god to be nourished by your word help us lord strengthen us i pray that you will give me power and give me unction i pray that you will uh, prepare hearts lord so that they would hear your word and we ask you all this in jesus name amen God isn't fixing this. Some of you might remember this cover. Those were the words on the front page of the New York Daily News as a response to the mass shooting that took place in California. That was the most recent of a string of events that took place these past few years where a person would commit a heinous crime on that massive scale. Just this past year alone, we can count how much, how much evil we've seen in this country alone. Last January, ISIS executed 13 teenage boys in Mosul because they were watching a soccer match on TV. ISIS used machine guns in the public execution of those children. The boys' families were unable to claim the bodies out of fear for their own lives. Last year, ISIS members captured Kurdish women and girls from Iraq's minority Yazidi community and sold them to sex traffickers in the Middle East. June 17th, J- Dylan Roof, age 21, allegedly killed nine people at a historic Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal, Episcopal um, Church in Charleston, South Carolina, this past June. August 26th, ex-reporter Vester Lee Flanagan, too, he shoots and kills reporter Allison Parker and cameraman Adam Ward during a live broadcast. It's past November. November 13th, three teams of gun-wielding ISIS suicide bombers hit six locations around Paris, killing 130 people and wounding hundreds. So after the shooting that took place in San Bernardino, California, the front page says this, God is not fixing this. Now, to be fair, I don't think that the aim of the reporter was to go against God. Not necessarily. Maybe it was. Just quickly glancing at it, it seems like he had more of a political agenda where all these politicians are saying, let's pray, let's pray. But his point is to say to these politicians, guys, you can say let's pray all you want, but God is not fixing this. We need to do something. I think that's more of an accurate representation of his position. But I wonder if perhaps sometimes in our own hearts, we ask ourselves the same question. I wonder if deep within, we wonder, is God really fixing this? When I pray, when I go to the Lord in prayer, when I ask God, when I seek God, is he really fixing this? Or is he just sitting in heaven, just waiting for you to keep praying and keep praying and do nothing about it? What is God doing in the midst of our struggles? What is God doing in the midst of the struggles that we face here, even in America? Is God fixing this? Is this a cry that you have deep down within your own heart? as you turn with me to the book of Habakkuk, we will seek to explore how a prophet had those same feelings that you and I often have when we pray. If you did not bring your Bibles with you, the passage should be up there on the slide, so feel free to follow with me via the slide, but let's all follow along. The book is in Habakkuk. The passage is found in Habakkuk. Habakkuk. If you have a physical copy of your Bible, Habakkuk is the last, Um, it's the fourth last book in the Old Testament but it should be up there in the slide Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw O Lord how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surrounds the righteous. So justice goes forth. Perverted. Perverted. Friends, I have one point that I want to drive home to you today. I just have one main point. Just one point. In this broken world, it is not only right, but it is necessary for godly people to continually cry out to God. I'll say it this way. In this broken world, it is necessary, mark the word necessary, necessary for godly people to cry out to God. It's necessary, friends. It's not only good for you to cry out to God. In this broken world, friends, it is necessary. So let's explore that, what we just said just now. First of all, we said, in this broken world. Habakkuk lived in a broken world. Habakkuk lived in a broken world. If anyone knew the experience of being in a broken world, it was Habakkuk. As we noted earlier, the people of God were turning away from God in rebellion. And Habakkuk was a righteous man in the midst of this broken, sinful world. How do we know this? Look at the passage real quick, a couple of verses. It says, in the passage, it says, why do you make me see iniquity? I know the words are a little bit small, but verse 3, it says, why do you make me see iniquity? That's what he says. Basically, what he means here is this, is that Habakkuk was actually literally able to see iniquity. He was literally able to see sin. Iniquity is another word for sin. In essence, he's saying this. Why do you make me see all this sin, all these sins that your people are committing? This seems to suggest to me that during this time, the people were sinning <laughs> shamelessly. They were sinning openly before God. It was not like they were hiding about they were they weren't hiding in their sins. They did not hide their sins. You know, sometimes there is, a, there is a virtue in being embarrassed about your sins. It is, something, it is not something to flaunt about or brag about. But apparently, according to this passage, the people of Judah were so lost that they were committing their sins openly that Habakkuk himself was able to see. He says, why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you make me see sin? He says this, Violence and destruction are before me. That's what he sees. He sees violence and he sees destruction. But then he goes on and he says, um, strife and contention arise. Here's what I think he's saying. Now, when you think about about strife and contention, you could think about anger, division, evil, disagreements. Um, When he he says, I see violence uh, around me, think about this. Earlier he says, I see violence around me. Now, in part, he actually saw people physically being violent with one another. That's what I think. But also, when he says, I see violence around me, and then he says, he says I see people have strife and contention, basically it's this, it's this. Habakkuk understands that our tongues could be violent as well. Your violent your tongue can be used as a weapon. And this is what Habakkuk sees. Evil people in their tongues and in their actions. So Habakkuk we understand he lived in a broken world. But number 2, we understand that Habakkuk cried out to the Lord. Habakkuk didn't just stay there. When we live in a broken world, when we live in a messed up world, when we live in a, in a sinful world, when we live in such a way where we're like, man, this is messed up, this is not good, we don't just stay there. Habakkuk cried out to the Lord. Habakkuk saw the evil that was around him, and he did the only thing he knew how to do, pray. Even more, he cried out to the Lord. You see, the prayer was not emotionless. This prayer was filled with a lot of passion and emotion. Now, that's not saying that characterized all of his prayer life. That doesn't say that in every season that's how our prayer lives are. But certainly, friends, certainly, there are seasons in our lives where prayer seems to be more intense than other seasons. And this is the kind of prayer that Habakkuk had. In this broken world, it is necessary for godly people to cry out to God. He says, how long, O Lord, shall I cry out for help? How long, O Lord, shall I cry out for help? No, no, it's not only necessary. I would say this. It is incumbent upon every believer to cry out to God in this broken world. If you are in a season, friends, where you are crying out to God a little bit more than normal, understand this, friend. Understand this. Hear me. What you are doing is a necessary part of your Christian experience. It is a necessary part of this Christian journey because we do live in a broken world. You are not outside the norm of normal Christian, of Christian experience. You are not ex- outside the norm of Christian experience. And I hope that encourages you as it does me to see other people in the Bible cry out to God in anguish. When I see people in the Bible crying out to God, it gives me an understanding like, wait, I'm not alone in this. Other people went through, through the same thing. I don't have this passage in the slide, but I just want you to hear this. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 34, verse 17. Hear this. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers. The righteous cry. Righteous people cry and the Lord hears and delivers. Watch this. I don't have this passage in the slide, but hear this. Psalm 18 verse six. In my distress, in my distress, I called upon the Lord To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. These passages, friends, they're helpful for us to remember that crying out is a normal part of the Christian experience. Dear saints, don't these passages help you remember that you are not alone? If holy men who were inspired to write the Bible had prayers that sounded like that, I'm okay. I'm good. It's okay. It's okay to cry out to the Lord. Sometimes, friends, as Christians, we want to present ourselves in the best way possible, as if we don't struggle at all. Sometimes we act as if we do not wrestle at all, friends. But sometimes when you do that, when you do that, sometimes when you try to shield yourself, sometimes you are robbing the other saints of understanding, hey, this is a normal part of my experience. When you tell other Christians, yeah, I'm struggling, I'm hurting right now, I'm crying out to God right now, you are allowing other Christians to know it's normal. You're not shielding them From a from what what real Christianity looks like. When you shield them, when you do that, you might be robbing others of the comfort of knowing that they are not alone. When you shield them from your tears you might be robbing them from the com- of the comfort of knowing that they are not alone. As a family, Mosaic family, I know Daniel and I, we always talk about this transparency. It's important, absolutely necessary for us to be transparent with one another. I hope that these passages I hope that our lives will serve as an encouragement to other people to say, I'm not alone in this. So, I hope that I was able to highlight, in part, that crying out to God is a necessary part of the Christian experience. Now, let us continue to what I think is more central to the content of this passage. I want to ask a question. A question Um, exactly what was Habakkuk crying about? Why was he so discouraged? Okay, let's ask this question. What was Habakkuk crying out about? Why did he pray? Well, first of all, he prayed uh, because evil was prevailing in the land, right? Evil was prevailing in the land. Now, As I already briefly noted, during the time the people of God residing in Judah had decided to turn their backs on God. Okay? God's prophet sees what the people are doing, and he does not like it. He is angry at the unrighteousness that he sees in the land. He wants God's name to be honored. He wants God to be glorified, but God is not glorified. And as we said already, he says, why do you make me see iniquity? I see this. I see the strife. I see the contention arise. And as we read this, it's important for us to know that Habakkuk was not lamenting necessarily evil that was going against him. It, didn't look like, it doesn't look like people were actually physically attacking Habakkuk himself. There are times in the Bible where the author feels like people are personally attacking them and they will cry, oh God, my enemies are surrounding me. But Habakkuk, it doesn't seem like someone was actually physically ready to hurt him. At least that's not what you get from the passage. But it seems like people were harming one another. That was Habakkuk's issue. Does it ever bother you when someone is harming another person? where justice is not being served? Does it bother you that um, in this world that there are people who are being sold into sex trafficking? Does it bother you when other people are hurt? It's easy to be bothered when, when, when we're hurt ourselves, when someone is actually physically hurting us. But are you concerned for the welfare of others? <coughs> This is why, not to derail, but this is why a lot of people, when they say um, they're, you know, they're committing abortion, you know, it's their body. Why do we care? Why are we so passionate about these things? Because it's it's the welfare of another human being. That's why. You don't have to be. You don't even have to be African American to even care about um, race issues, injustice against minorities. See, Habakkuk was concerned with how wicked people were treating one another. So, evil was prevailing in the land. That's why Habakkuk was um, annoyed. That's why Habakkuk was sad. He was saddened because he saw the evil prevailing in the land. But look at verse 4. It says, your law, O Lord, is paralyzed. Your law, O Lord, is paralyzed. That's what he says. What does he mean by that? What does he mean when he says that his law is paralyzed? Okay, Habakkuk sees this person, person A, fighting against person B, but Habakkuk sees something else too. When you think about evil, do you only think about how people treat one another? Or do you think of evil as ultimately dishonoring God? You see, Habakkuk knew that the evil that they were doing was going against God. They were going against God's law and against God's decree. You see, it's one thing to be concerned about evil towards another person. It's easy for us to be concerned about injustice. But it's rare to find someone mourning, someone crying because God's name is not being honored enough. Because God's name is not being glorified. He says, God, your law is being paralyzed. Habakkuk was concerned about that. Have you ever recited the Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That prayer holds a lot of weight. That prayer means, God, hallowed be thy name, Lord. Let your name be hallowed, O God, in my own life. Let your name be hallowed in the rest of this world. I see evil, O Lord, and I want your name to be honored, God. I want your name to be honored. I want you to be glorified, oh God. It's one thing to care about sin horizontally. Have you ever thought about sin as it affects God vertically? I want your name to be honored, oh God. Habakkuk is crying out, God, your law is being paralyzed. People are not obeying your law. So first thing that Habakkuk was crying out about was the fact that evil was prevailing in the land. Number two, God was not responding to this evil with his justice. God was not executing his judgment, okay? That's the second point. Second reason why Habakkuk was upset. It was not only that evil is prevailing in the land, I think more central to the reason for Habakkuk's cries was that God was not doing anything about it. It was as if God was allowing the people to continue in their wicked ways. That seemed to bother Habakkuk even more than the wickedness itself. If you saw a crime taking place in the street, in the front of a police officer, and the police officers are standing there not doing anything, you'd be concerned, confused, right? Right? So Habakkuk was confused. He's like, God. I cry to you violence and you will not save. Verse three, he says, why do you idly look at wrong? This is not consistent to the God that I know about. I know you to be a righteous God. What is going on up there, O Lord? You are not doing anything to respond to this evil that I see around me. And number three, why was Habakkuk crying? Because God delayed in his response. God delayed in responding to Habakkuk. God delayed in responding to Habakkuk. In addition to all of this, Habakkuk seemed to be discouraged in the fact that God was not responding to his prayers. Okay, Lord, it's, it's bad enough that there's evil in the land. And it's bad enough that you are not doing anything about it, but God, I'm crying out to you night and day and you are not responding. I'm crying out to you and you are not responding. You see, the moment, friends, that we actually believe that the God that we speak to in one second can change everything, The moment that we believe that the same God we speak to can change everything in one second, it will drive you crazy in prayer. You will pray and you would pray and you would pray and you would be confused as to why is God not answering. When prayer just becomes a matter of formality, oh God, please, I pray that um, for the Christians in Pakistan, Oh, Lord, we ask that you would do that, do a good work in there, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. When it becomes formality, it doesn't bother you. When it becomes, when when it's just something that you just do, it doesn't bother you. But when you actually believe, I'm praying to you, oh God. When you actually believe that he could really do something about it, it will bother you and it will drive you to keep on praying over and over and over again. I've been praying, oh Lord, for six months now and I have not seen an answer. Oh God, I'm going to continue coming at you. It will drive you to continue to pray. Friends, do you believe in this God that can answer your prayers? Do you believe that if you keep on going to this God, going to this God, he can answer you? Keep on praying, friends. Keep on praying. Be persistent in prayer. Notice with me in this last point. He was crying out because God was not responding to his multiple cries. Now, how do we know this? He says, oh, Lord, how long shall I keep on crying out to you? It means that he kept on crying out to him. He kept on crying out to him. How long, oh Lord? I don't know if you've ever been discouraged, but I have. Where I felt like I kept on praying over and over and over and over again. And it's just like, Lord, how long am I going to keep on asking you? I don't know if that's been your experience, but Habakkuk never gave up. Habakkuk kept on going. God, I'm going to cry out to you no matter what but notice with me that Habakkuk's cries were very legitimate Habakkuk's cries were legitimate he wanted God's name to be honored i mean how much how much how much at the center of God's will would you be in the, in your prayer i mean it's not like he wanted something evil right he wanted something good sometimes God's delayed in our responses. It doesn't mean that it's not, there are good things that you can be like, God, but this is good for, this, this will honor you, oh God, if I do this. God, I'm praying for the salvation of someone, Lord. I cannot see why you can't answer that prayer. I'm praying for something legitimate, oh God, that will honor your name. Why are you not answering that prayer? It was a legitimate prayer. You're going to have a legit, legitimate prayers as well. You're going to have prayers. You're going to be praying to God about things that you're like, man, I'm not asking him for something evil. I'm asking him for something good that will help. And God is not giving it to me. And for Habakkuk, God's answer was delayed. But we'll see next week that God does answer. God does not leave us there. There is hope, friends. But before we leave, I want us to consider these things as applications, certain things as applications. Number one, I want you to be reminded, I want you to just remember that it's okay. It's okay. Crying out to God is a normal part of the Christian experience. I want us to consider what it means for us to keep on praying. Habakkuk clearly persisted in prayer. Now, next week we're going to see how that prayer paid off, that persistency paid off. But at times, friends, it's easy for us to get discouraged in the middle of our prayers. And we give up praying. Number two. I want us to consider what it means for us to have more God-centered prayers. I mean, yes, Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want us to, to consider what it would be like for us to pray. Yes, for the things that burden us personally. Yes, 100%. 100%. But also, God, I want your name to be honored. Before we close, I want to make an appeal for those of us who are unsure about the Bible, unsure about Christianity, who is God. Why should he punish these people for violating his law? Um, I just want to highlight this fact. Punishment is an expression of the righteousness of God. It is something that shows how good God is, right? When I punish someone, when I punish the rapist, when I punish the murderer, it's an expression of my righteous judgment, right? It's an expression of me being right. Well, God is a righteous God, and God actually does... Punish evil. We aren't we glad that God doesn't just say, you know what, evil, I don't care. You know what, do you can you can um, sin all you want. No, but God actually punishes evil. But not only does He punish the rapist and the murderer, He punishes the liars. He punishes the sins that affect other human beings. But He punishes also the sins where we, where we say God's name in vain, the sins such as dishonoring God in all of our lives, not honoring him as he ought to be honored. You might think, if that's the case, then I deserve to be punished. And I said, you're right, so do I. But God, instead of punishing me, he sends his son as a replacement and he punishes his son in, his, in my stead that is why Jesus Christ died on the cross he died to take on the punishment that I deserve now I can answer some of the questions on your minds how does God respond to this does God ever respond to this What's the nature of God's response? And does Habakkuk eventually find victory in prayer? I want us to stop right here. I want us to just be reminded that crying out is a necessary part of the Christian experience. And next week we're going to see that crying out is not done in vain. Let's pray, guys. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for um, just your word, God. We just thank you for your word. Um, It's so easy, Father, for us to just forget That this is such a normal part of the Krishna experience. But I do pray, oh Lord, that you would encourage your saints, encourage your people, oh God. As some are struggling with just a diverse kind, There's just a diversity of temptations, of struggles, God. I just pray that you would encourage each person here. Lord, I pray that you will speak to us in the right ways. Help us to glorify you and understand what it means to glorify you in our suffering. We ask you, oh God, all this in Jesus' name. Amen.